As teachers, sometimes in our careers we come to a point where it's time for a new start. Maybe at a new school, maybe even at a new state. But what are the challenges? Teacher migration, that's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas. Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Hey, Al Pellets, we are here today with Becky Haddad from Oregon State University. She is an instructor there. Becky, welcome to Al Pellets. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So we are looking forward to a great conversation today. Before we get into the topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Becky Haddad. Like you said, I'm an instructor out at Oregon State University. Um, I'm working on my PhD in agricultural education teacher prep. Should be wrapping up in spring of 2020. Um, But I'm originally from Minnesota. I taught in Minnesota for five years. So shout out to those Minnesota teachers in Owl Pellet land. Um, That's going to be my question. I was like, you don't sound like you're from Oregon. No, um, you can probably hear some of those long O's. Um, I grew up in Southern Wisconsin um, on a dairy farm. Um, Yeah, but taught in Minnesota for five years before coming out here to work on my PhD. Um, And I'm really excited to be here to talk about teacher migration with you guys today. So anyone who's listening by this point, this will air like in May-ish, you're going to be looking for a job, right? If there's any teacher prep program. I will be on the job hunt over the next year. Yes, ma'am. Excellent. Yeah. I thought we had, to, what do we charge for advertisements? I was trying to figure out that was <laughs> to, to do that. that. That was fantastic. Utilizing our opportunities. So, so Becky, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. So we kind of dug in, actually started doing the data analysis around this time last year, um, but started with the question because we don't really know a lot about teacher migration. Um, There's, I mean, we could talk a lot about everything we don't know about teacher migration and teacher churn. Um, The things we do know aren't especially crediting to teachers. We kind of lump them in with attrition, um, both in school-based ag ed and in education more broadly. Um, And while we can see a lot of stressors that are similar. Migrators alleviate their stresses differently than people who leave teaching do. Um, and we tend to use the, we use our migrators as scapegoats. Um, we talk about them in education more broadly as having diminished effectiveness relative to student success. Um, and there's some pretty condemning evidence in the broader in the broader lit that's available. Um, But there's also really significant evidence to discuss teachers as learners. Um, And we haven't really explored that side of teacher migration, um, which is ironic because, you know, they're the ones who are actually moving. Um, And so this all kind of started because I heard a teach, I overheard a couple teachers say, I'm a first year teacher with 22 years or 12 years or however many years of experience, Um, which some, I mean, you're you're nodding. Some of you have heard this before. um, And it, it kind of struck me. I hadn't moved myself. Um, but hearing that kind of perception of complete, of a complete start over, you're starting at square one again, um, kind of got me thinking about 
where we're at. And so digging back into our own supply and demand studies, we've been pretty consistent over the last few years where migrators are filling about a third of our program vacancies annually, um, which is a lot. You talk about teacher migrators. And so I'm in Florida now. And so we've got this great migration happening, you know, as the northerners leave Florida (laughs) to go back north. So yep. I'm, I'm picturing this flock of teachers that are flying south every winter during migration. I'm no, I don't think that's what you're talking about with a, with a teacher migrate migration. So what is that? No, um, teacher migration, we've kind of been, we've got kind of a working definition of teachers who move to a different agricultural education program. So they're changing, it's, it's changing programs. I think you used a term, and I'm not sure if I heard you correctly, so I'm going to ask, did you say teacher churn? I did say teacher churn. Yes. I'm fascinated, but can you share a little bit more about like what teacher churn is? Because that like, I'm not really sure what, what I've got all these kind of mental, (laughs) none of them are, are, I think what teacher churn is supposed to be. Yeah. So teacher churn is the way that program movement is referenced in the broader education literature. And basically it's, it is kind of this idea that teachers move programs and move programs and move programs. And I think kind of the connotation with churn, um, we tend to think about, we've got teachers who move and they move and they move and then they're out. Um, And I think one of the things that we were, that we didn't really expect to find, but found with the study that we did is that our teachers don't necessarily move and move and leave. Um, A lot of our teachers, this for several of our teachers, it was the first time they moved um, and they really, found some good learning opportunities in their moving and found some reinvigoration in their practice as they move. So we got to kind of explore a little bit different way to talk about migration or turn um, that's not really referenced in what's out there right now, which was pretty exciting to get to do. So tell me a little bit about how uh, this migration looks different in ag education and with ag teachers and their expectations versus maybe general ed or other uh, CT teachers? Oh, if you had the answer to that, that would be the million dollar question that would set me up so nicely for whatever's next. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a good dissertation topic, huh? It, it does. It does. Um, I think as we kind of think about migration, we don't know a lot about what's actually happening for the teachers. What's been talked about is really in terms of the students. And we talk about how student effectiveness scores drop. We have some really condemning language where we talk about teachers of Um, or we talk about students with migrating teachers as three times less effective or less accomplished than their peers who have stable teachers. Um, And so that kind of (laughs) hurts. But I think what we found with our eight teacher, we we talked to eight teachers across the U.S. um, who've successfully migrated. So one thing to kind of keep in mind is that these are teachers, teachers who migrate are a little bit tough to track. Um, These are teachers who had success in their program moves. And so that's kind of a disclaimer right off the bat. Um, This isn't necessarily teachers who moved and had a really cruddy time. Um, These teachers kind of self-identified as people who had a good experience with their program migration. Um, And, you know, we we didn't have anywhere else to start that way. We don't really know a lot about this phenomenon in terms of how ag teachers compare with teachers in general or really what this what this experience means. And so this was kind of a starting point for us to say, what's how how are you processing this move Um, and what's what are some of the challenges you face? What are some of the things that are there that have given you good success? So we kind of know where to go next or kind of gear kind of next steps in exploring this phenomenon. 
So there's a lot of research out there about working with new teachers, or, or we're still trying to figure that out. Did you find anything different with these teachers that migrate? This this person that's a first year teacher with 22 years of experience or 12 years of experience, did they have different needs than maybe we may think of of other first year teachers? I think so. Yeah, um, some of it comes in with with what they already know about kind of program management and they've got some experience with pedagogy and those things, they don't necessarily lose those things when they move schools. Um, but I think it's also important to note that it's different. Teachers talk about migration differently depending where they're at in their career. And so those early career teachers are kind of migrating because they weren't, they, they talk about it. It wasn't going to, I wasn't going to stay teaching if I didn't move. Um, where our, eight to 12 year teachers kind of talk about migrating as a space to reinvigorate themselves in the teaching profession as a space to kind of reshuffle their balance and their workload um, and kind of find some opportunities to learn through that process. Um, And so maybe not so much, or I mean, in addition to um, first year teachers versus migrators, even differences within younger teachers moving versus more experienced teachers moving. It seems like with the teacher churn, I just, so, you know, I've, I've been a teacher and I did churn. Um, and then, you know, as a principal, just watching teachers move and make decisions. And it just seems like there are so many causes of what would make a teacher churn. And, you know, we know so much. So for teachers that are listening to this podcast, right? All us weird professor types, we can have these conversations about whatever. But if you're a teacher in a program, you know, we know that your principal or your administrator or your boss has such a huge impact on your day-to-day enjoyment of your job. Or it might be, where does your family live? Or it might be you started at a less prominent program and then perceived progression to one of the more prestigious or well-known programs in the state. So what would be your message to these ag teachers? You know, all of them that are listening to this podcast, they're probably thinking, you know, I'm looking to move up or I really love where I'm working or I'm really sick of my administrator. So what did you learn in terms of there's so many causes, it seems like, for churn? Yeah. um, And that really is kind of the big question. That was the first research question for this study. Um, But you'll also the thing that Dr. Velez and I kind of talked about as we got ready for this whole process was that our, our title was how um, and not why. And so while we, we kind of wanted to find why we didn't get there all the way. And when we talk about those motivations, Dr. Baker, you mentioned a ton of different motivations that teachers bring into this, um, but we didn't get to those as cleanly as we would have liked. And one of the things that we kind of came to terms with or that we were a little more okay with is we can't necessarily change a lot of those why things, but we can influence how the process goes for teachers so that they want, so that they can keep teaching and keep being effective in their practice and they can find that reinvigoration in their practice. And so teachers really, as far as that goes, teachers talk about their sense of community. They talk about navigating the resources um, and kind of the rules of each school. Um, They talk about redefining their workload and they talk about continuing to learn. Um, and those are all things that we can kind of support a little bit more in terms of resources universities can offer in terms of things state staff can engage with or administrators can potentially resonate with. And that kind of goes back to probably Dr. Baker, you've got a little better take on what administrators can resonate with there. (laughs) But yeah, so those are some of the things as far as how they actually process it that we really got into as we started talking to some of our teachers. 
No, I like that idea, Marshall, that you were talking about. Look, she called you Dr. Baker. That was funny. <laughs> that was sweet. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea, you know, of like, we're talking about migration. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Like migration isn't necessarily, it shouldn't be having like a negative connotation. Because I know I tell my interns when they're looking for a job, like, you have to have a job to get a job. Don't look for your ideal job right off the bat and turn everything else down. This is your, you need to, to graduate and get a job. And so oftentimes, as you were saying, that migration ends up being for all sorts of reasons that aren't necessarily bad, but they're, you know, and we have this idea of like, man, I, I've often thought like, if I could go back and teach now and like do a sabbatical, a do-over, I think I'd be so much better at it. And that whole, like, I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. I, like, I'm not going to sing it for you, but you get the idea. <laughs> like, I think that there are times where you're saying it reinvigorates them and to be a first year teacher at a school and learn those policies, but have all the knowledge that you have of classroom management and curriculum development and lesson planning and teaching and learning, that would certainly be helpful as a first year teacher, I think that would be a really neat experience, but yeah. So what can, as a teacher, if they are migrating, because we know a lot of teachers are, and I, you know, I think it's more like the teacher square dance if they're not leaving the churn, right? Like Mm -hmm. they all move. Yep. (laughs) As they're doing that, what are some things, because I don't see, like, as we're talking, I'm thinking maybe we don't, or like administrators, Marshall, you might be able to talk about this, do they do a really good job of identifying what those differences are between a new teacher and a migrating teacher? Like if I'm the teacher coming in as the migrating teacher, it might be some of my responsibility to know what my needs are as a migrating teacher and know what to go seek out and ask and find when I start at that new school. So did you find anything where like, if you're a migrating teacher and you're looking and you know, this coming fall, you're going to be starting somewhere else. What are the things that you should go learn about first or who should you be talking to first and what should you be asking them? I just want to stop and keep the image about the te- ag teacher square dance. That just sounds like a great, great <laughs> event that we should be having. Kind of like a musical chairs kind of a thing or the square dance, maybe even better. So I like, I like that. I like that image. Lots of plaid. <laughs> <laughs> and straw. Two of you are wearing plaid right now. <laughs> Go ahead, Becky. Save us. <laughs> I don't know if mine is like, really plaid. <laughs> I think I think mine is plaid. Is it plaid? Definitely, it, yeah. Plaid. Definitely, it's plaid. like, but it's like the, all the squares are the same. I mean, it's nice plaid. That's listen. Y'all are gonna make me churn. <laughs> I'm gonna start migrating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel comfortable with this community. <laughs> So, Becky, what can we go in and talk about with our administrators if we're migrating teachers? Other than to get Marshall to change his shirt, what, what, what's our next steps? <laughs> I think, so So first, kind of understanding the challenges. Um, a lot of teachers are kind of redefining expectations with their students. Um, and we don't know, a, a lot of this is, we don't, we don't know yet. Um, because some of this is, it's very relational, right? Like, we have... You know, what was your relationship with the former teacher? What's your relationship with the principal? What's your relationship with your former district? There's there's that whole piece in there that we aren't even touching yet. Um, but understanding that teachers are going to have to kind of redefine their expectations with their students. They have to both kind of set those expectations with themselves and with their 
new group, um, they're kind of having to evaluate and find resources in a new setting. And so multiple times talking about where's the copier, what's the copier code, who do I make copies with? The secretary does this at this school, but doesn't do that at that school and, and, and kind of renegotiating those, those resources. Um, and then also thinking about the ways that community is involved. Um, and this is community within the school in terms of who are my colleagues? How do I connect with them? How, what's the expectation in terms of how I work with my colleagues? How do, what's my reporting structure? Um, how do I engage with alumni? What do you, what are the relationships with other community businesses or with students? Um, and those things are really hard. <laughs> so I think some of that is starting off and understanding that those, those things are hard and those things are tough for incoming and new teachers as well. Um, but I think there is some, some prior expectation that comes with the teacher who's migrating um, as far as going from knowing your school to being treated like a new teacher again. Um, and that was that came up quite a bit as far as a challenge for some of our migrating teachers. So I have a question, and I, I keep going back to this a little bit too, and I, I'm focusing probably more on those uh, early career teachers um, because they really, this is I think where they struggle quite a bit. Um, you know, we have the four fortune of going into a lot of schools and seeing a lot of different programs and recognizing that there's different cultures. And I think a lot of times our, our new teachers come out and think that every school district functions and operates the the same way. And, and that really what starts changing and having us think a little bit about why people need to migrate. But one of the, one of the factors related to um, those new teachers is we, we have a lot of our states have mentor programs and we have these new teachers that are looking towards uh, fellow mentors in, in neighboring districts or in, in what have you. So, or even teacher faculty. So what recommendations would you have for mentors to kind of help people coach through um, this migration process? Um. I would, I would expand it beyond just mentors because community okay. was the thing teachers talked about the most. Okay. Um, so as far as school community, that's fellow teachers, that's administrators, that's school staff, that's that mentor at that new school. As far as like the community community that we usually think about um, in terms of alumni and local businesses and advisory boards and connections to ag ed family in that area, if you're moving to a different region or section or subsection, um, depending on your state. Um, and then family, so spouses, in-laws, parents, kids. Um, all of those people really, I mean, play, play a major role. And so in terms of um, what mentors can do, I think it, it takes some reconciling on the part of the teacher as far as that process goes um, to kind of help these teachers understand that they, they are valued for the role that they fill. I mean, they're, they're keeping programs going. Um, and so helping validate what teachers are doing because going from I've got, I've got some systems in place. I know what I'm doing into a whole, whole new system of operation. Um, I think helping navigate that space is really important. I think um, recognizing that there's, there's value in the various processes and the different contributions that teachers are engaging in um, really kind of speaks to the supportiveness of ag ed as well. Um, but I think also recognizing for everybody involved in that community, our teachers said again and again, um, they, they didn't, they just, I'm not them, they're not me. So recognizing both that the program that they left may not look the same as it did when they were there and the program they're stepping into isn't going to look the same as it did with the person before them. Um, and that was really important for teachers to kind of reconcile um, as far as kind of being okay with where they were at. 
Yeah, I've heard teachers say things like, um, uh, you know, like I go visit a teacher and they're, they might be in their first or second year at a new school and they talk, they still talk a lot about how that program is different in one way or another from their previous school. And that's constantly their frame of reference. And I think like, mm -hmm. I don't know how, how much you want to do that. Right. Just, you know, you, you went there for a reason by choice, maybe just like mm -hmm. absorb that. Yeah. Well, so I, I'll just to jump in and play devil's advocate on this a little bit. Is this teacher jumping around just a millennial thing? Like, you know, the old generation of wise people like Brian and Mike. <laughs> they used to, Ouch. You know, they used to, you know, they started with a company and they were loyal to that company for their 34 years of employment. And us millennials, we just jump around. <laughs> We're never pleased and we're never happy. And every three years we want something different, which I'm not pointing at anybody on this podcast that has changed jobs every three years. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but is this just a millennial, we need more change kind of thing? And, and honestly, like I can be okay with that. Like I'll take a three-year teacher that's motivated and pumped up and ready to go. And like, go do something else if you need to be rejuvenated and like, get me another person full of energy. So is this just a millennial thing or is this um, deeper than that? So that's a little bit of a chicken and egg question because um, we, we don't know. Teacher experience wise, we haven't really quantified in ag ed um, and I'm working on it. But one of the things to I think that is important to note is that we're probably going, I mean, even if we look at the broader workforce and as we look at workforce trends, um, the career ladder for millennials looks a lot more like a jungle gym. And so I think some of that is being, and that's Cheryl Sandberg. That's not me. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I think being aware that this, this isn't just, I mean, this isn't something that's unique to ag ed. This isn't something that's unique to education. Um, but we're not talking about it and we're not looking at the ways that we can say, okay, if we know that people are going to move, we know that this is kind of what careers are starting to look like. How are we going to support that? And I think that's really where we're, we're trying to go as far as broader implications. Well, that that's fantastic stuff. Um, you know, I love that the, the career, not a ladder, it's a jungle gym. That that's true. Life's tough, wear a helmet. So <laughs> um, you know, and I think it's part of it too is interesting, you know, Florida, we're down here, we're, we're a little unique compared to everybody else in a lot of different ways. Just was it, what's the thing now, Google Florida man on your birthday and see what happens. Um, but we have county-based school districts here where when I was teaching in Illinois, we had independent school districts. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot easier in Florida for people to move from school to school because you're still in the same school district uh, rather than having to actually move into an entirely different system to do whatever else to do that. And I wonder if that's part of the deal if you may see some differences in migration based off of location, the, the state setting where it is, looking what's going on um, to do some of those things. So that structure, as you look at what the different support system, it's easier to move in a, within the county system here in Florida than it would have yeah. been for me to move in Illinois to go to a different school district. Right. And that's not even talking about migration across state lines either, where you may have to think about relicensure and think about some of those other things that are going to be vastly different in a new state. 
So I, I think this is, this is a great topic, Becky. Thank you for bringing it up with us. It's talking about this idea of teacher migration and people do it for a variety of reasons. It may be, again, the family situation, they, they move. But I've also known teachers that said they taught somewhere for 10 years. They, they needed a fresh start. So they'd move to a different school. And sometimes they said they built a very successful program. They actually need, they've created a monster that they can't keep going anymore and kind of wanted to hit the reset button to start again. So there's a lot of things out there and each of those people need different support. But the big thing I think for all of us in leadership around the country and then the teachers that are dealing with this is to understand, even if you're that, you know, that person's got 12 years or 10 years or 22 years, if you're going to a new school, there are still those challenges that you're going to be as a first year ag teacher and, and really realizing that and, and helping to understand that and not beat yourself up too much about that um, and understand you're, you're having to learn that system again. So this has been a great conversation. Becky, thank you so much for being with us today here on Owl Pellets. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It'd also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.